0: Over the next three weeks, I'm going to be beginning a new series here at Enon called Get Healthy. Uh, Now, we talk about get healthy. Immediately, we go to physical fitness, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today. But we're going to talk about it from a broader perspective here. But, you know, getting healthy is something that we see around us uh, regularly, The healthcare industry is actually the third largest industry in our entire nation. It is an $800 billion a year industry. You know, if you think about all the messaging and all the things around us that go towards us getting healthy, it's pretty uh, inundating all around us. You think about how many hospitals, clinics, urgent care, specialists, pharmaceuticals, counselors, therapists, fitness, wellness, and exercise, and, and don't turn on the TV uh, because every other commercial is a commercial about a drug that you need to start taking, uh, even though the side effects are frightening for every one of them. Uh, but it's everywhere uh, that you see. Now, a desire to be healthy, especially physically healthy, is, is not a bad thing. You know, God created us in His image, and so the desire for life and health is a natural part of God's design. In fact, it's often something that we do at the church. You know, we pray for people uh, when you're going through health struggles because it's real. When you're, when you're struggling, your health it affects every part of your body. I remember... Uh, hearing a story about a small church and and they would have a Wednesday night prayer gathering and there was a sweet little old lady there who, you know, every Wednesday night when it came time to pray is that she had to go through every life-threatening uh, life uh, f- uh, problem that she had going on that week and she would kind of take her time and she would embellish it a little bit and, and people knew that. And so uh, one day she said, Pastor, I need you all to pray for me. I went to the doctor today and, and he said I was a bombshell. She meant to say that I was a ticking time bomb. But she said, I was a bombshell. Well, one of the little salty deacons in the back of the room after she got done, he said, Pastor, I think we need to go back and get a second opinion. Anyway, so. But when it comes to our health and wellness as people of God, this is an issue that God is not silent on. In fact, the Bible gives us a lot of instruction on how God is working in us to help us to be overall healthy in our well-being, not only In our physical bodies. And so I want us to look over the next couple of weeks. uh, We're going to look at a prayer that Paul prays at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And he prays it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be our guide for the next couple of weeks. So I invite you to stand with me this morning if you're able. For the reading of God's word. And if you can't physically stand. uh, You're welcome to stand and reverence God there in your hearts. The 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 beginning in verse 23 it says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he who calls you and he will bring it to pass let's pray father i do truly pray thank you o lord that the god of all heaven as we sang earlier and we worship you we magnify you king jesus this morning is that, God, you are working in us, God, to accomplish your will. And so this morning, I pray, God, speak to us, Lord, today, what we need to hear. You know the hearts and lives of every person here. God, I pray you would put your words in my mouth and that, Jesus, you would be glorified. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. As we see in our text this morning, you know, Paul talks about three areas of humanity in which he's praying that God would work among Thessalonians. He talks about their spirit, he talks about their soul, and he talks about their body. Now, we all know that from Scripture the body refers to the physical man. We know from Scripture that the soul is commonly referring to the mind, the emotions, or the will of man. This is your internal self, this is your consciousness. And while there are times in Scripture where the words soul and spirit are used interchangeably, we see that Paul uses them distinctively separate here in this setting. And, and, and many scholars believe that what he's doing here, uh, because according to the language, he's clearly separating soul and spirit here, is that he's talking about the spirit being the part of our inner man that relates to God, that understands right and wrong, that can connect with God. You know, when you think about the difference between us and animals, the Bible says that we alone in all creation were created in the image of God. And all of creation, animals can have a body. And I believe in some aspects, animals have a soul, not meaning like something that goes to heaven, but they have a mind, they have will, they have emotions. But what separates us from animals is that we are created in the image of God. We have a spirit that connects us with God. Jesus came and died on the cross, not for the sin of all creation, but for humanity, because we are the ones who created in the image of God. And so as Paul is talking here about that God of peace would sanctify us entirely in our bodies, in our souls, and in our spirits, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to be get healthy in our physical bodies, in our emotional selves, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and then also in our relationships with God, in our spiritual health. So today, we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to get healthy In our bodies. Now, before we really jump into that, we needed to define what do we mean by healthy. So, if you notice there at the beginning of verse twenty three, Paul's prayer is that the God of peace would Himself sanctify you entirely. Now, the word sanctify is very important, and then he talks about in your body, soul, and spirit. And then he says, so that you would be preserved complete at the coming of the Lord Jesus. The word sanctify means to purify. Or to make holy for something to be sanctified essentially means for it to function in a way that God desires and that God designed. So when we talk about in this series about getting healthy, ultimately what we're talking about is not just physical health, what we usually relate healthy to. We're talking about that our mind, that our bodies and that our spirits would ultimately function in the way that God desires in the way that God designs. Another aspect that you need to recognize here as we talk about this is that the scripture says that God is the one who is completing this on our behalf. Isn't that encouraging today? May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And then he ends with that promise in verse 24 Faithful is he who called you, and he will bring it to pass. Now, many of you in this room today, when we're talking about trying to honor God in our minds, in our bodies, in our relationships, with God. We all have struggles and we have difficulties in this and some of you have recently made a decision to follow Christ or you've recently rededicated your life to Christ and you're saying, Pastor Zach, what's next? How do I really begin to thrive to get healthy in my walk with God? This is what I want you to know this morning. God wants that that for you more than you want it even for yourselves. The God himself is faithful. He wants to move and work in our lives. He is leading us towards being healthy, towards being holy, towards being sanctified according to his will. And so the big question for us today is, what does it look like for God to lead us towards health in our physical bodies? Now when we talk about getting healthy in our physical bodies, most of the time we immediately go to diet and exercise and Honestly, a lot of us get intimidated by that because we know that that is hard. You know, I remember I exercised really well all through my teenage years, first part of my 20s, and then when Kimberly and I uh, got married, uh, we had two or three years there early in marriage where I didn't do a thing physically, man. I was living on love. Kimberly and I would come home, and, and uh, we would eat Nestle Toll House cookies that she would make, and we were happy. I remember going to see my great-grandmother, my mama's story, the first time I'd seen her about six months after we got married and and she was sitting in her chair and she looked at Kimberly and she said oh y'all look so happy and then she looked at me and she kind of and healthy you know and so I remember getting up one day and telling Kimberly I said hey you know I'm gonna gonna go and I'm gonna go for a run I think I'm gonna try to get in shape and she said well how far are you gonna run I said well I'm just gonna run a few miles you know like Just threw that out there like that wouldn't be difficult, you know. Hadn't ran in years. I found out when you have not exercised in a long, long time, you don't start off by counting miles, you start off by counting mailboxes. You know, I want to get to that next mailbox. But the truth is, is that getting healthy in our bodies, in the eyes of God, is so much more than getting in shape. So today, from all over Scripture, I want to give you three actions that I believe that God is leading His people towards when we desire to cooperate with Him in getting healthier, to be sanctified, to be holy, to to ultimately honor God in our bodies. So if you're keeping notes this morning, first, getting healthy in our bodies means we must crucify our bodies of the things that dishonor God. You know, honoring God, God leading us towards being sanctified, ultimately begins with God leading us to put aside, to die to the things in our lives that ultimately do not honor God. You know, when we think about the crucifixion in Scripture, uh, it automatically leads us to the point where we remember when we think of the crucifixion, we think of Jesus, we think of death. But we also don't just think of death, we also think of death with a purpose, death with a Meaning, something, death that was accomplishing something as Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of the world to accomplish forgiveness and grace for all who would receive him. You know, in the New Testament writers, uh, often they refer not to just what Jesus did in those deaths, but he calls us, many of the New Testament writers call us as people to also followers of Jesus for us to take up our cross, for us to walk in crucifixion. And what he's saying by that, what they mean by that, is that as Christians, we should be crucifying our bodies because we should be enduring many deaths in our lives. We should be those people who are regularly denying our bodies, we are battling our flesh, we are attempting to kill the inclination of our bodies that, towards the things that dishonor God. And so one of the main things that the Scripture tells us that we should be doing with our bodies, with our flesh, is that we should be crucifying it. So we should be dying daily deaths. Let me give you a few Scriptures that you need to know to point us back to this. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, the Apostle Paul spoke about how Christians are to crucify the flesh. He says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions And it's desires. And essentially the same thing in Romans 8, 13. Paula mentions again how we as believers are to embrace embrace death in our bodies. And this is what he says. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then even Jesus would go on to talk about how the act of daily death, of daily crucifixion, would be a requirement for all those who would follow him. This is what Jesus said. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For anyone who wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Jesus shows us there what crucifying your flesh is it is denying yourself now obviously Paul and Jesus are not actually talking about physically harming yourself but he's talking about bringing to death the passions and desires in your bodies that dishonor God through self-denial You know, I remember hearing a story about a pastor who was driving around with his young son in the back seat with him one day. And they drove by a cemetery that had crosses all throughout the cemetery. And the the young boy asked his father, said, Daddy, what do the crosses mean? And the daddy said, well, son, those are markers. Those crosses show us where dead people have been buried. And then they make their way back to their church parking lot. As soon as they pull in the church parking lot, they see a big cross over the church. And the little boy asks the pastor, says, Daddy, do dead people live there too? You know, and, and the pastor laughed for a moment, but then he said, you know, well, son, it should be. It should mean that. The church should be filled of people who are daily embracing the cross, who are daily recognizing that our bodies, our lives are not our own. Our lives should be marked by crucifixion, moments where we are dying to our flesh. Now let me say this though, not all desires in our flesh are bad. There are certain things that God has given us, pleasures in this world, that are good and God-honoring, that are inside of the design of God. And so there was a season in church history where it's called the monasticism season where monks and people would say, surely to get to God you have to get away and you have to avoid all pleasures of this world. And that's, that's just not true. Many things that God have given us, pleasures that God has given us, even in our flesh, are good and God-honoring. But what we are attempting to do in taking up our cross is to crucify the things in our life that are not God-honoring. And so let me answer two questions about what it may look like for us to crucify our bodies. So question number one is, why does God lead us to crucify or deny our bodies? Let me give you a, several different reasons. First, God leads us to crucify our flesh because our flesh is bent towards evil. You know, in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. According to scripture, we know that our flesh, our bodies, have a natural bent. Towards evil. One day, God's going to give us a new body and it won't have a bent towards evil. But right now, we see that if you've ever raised children, you know that you have to teach your children what is right. You don't ever have to teach your children what is wrong. And the reason why is because that is already in us. And a concept that we seem to have lost in our modern age is that not everything that you desire to do is good, nor is it good for you. The Bible makes it clear that a lot of the things that I desire in my flesh are not good for me, and they are not God-honoring. Uh, just this last week was tax week, and so uh, if you were near a Krispy Kreme, it means that you could, if you bought a dozen donuts, you would get another dozen donuts for, for uh, basically for just paying the taxes. And my wife, who weighs about hundred pounds soaking wet, took me to Krispy Kreme and put two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in the car with me. Folks, that's just not right. That's hateful, is what it is. <laughs> now, listen, I may desire, and I do desire. To eat every one of those donuts, I ate two, by the grace of God. Anyway, so, but nobody would say, just because I desire to eat every one of those donuts, is it good for me? Now, we know that in many areas of our life, but some areas of our life we seem to have forgotten that. In our present culture, uh, you may have sexual desires for someone who is not your spouse or for someone of the same sex, but that, does, that desire alone does not make it right or good for you to act upon. You know, we live in a society today that makes personal autonomy the supreme law of the land. And in so doing, we have replaced God with the human will, and thus evil is becoming rampant. You know, the common thought of the world today is that if you desire it, then it must be good. But the reality is, is if you really begin to deep down into that logic, that logic shuts down at some point because at what point is that no longer true? At what point do we call things evil again? Because certainly there are things that people desire that are not good. And we recognize that, but we keep flirting with that line. But the Bible makes it clear that God leads us to crucify our flesh because our flesh has a natural bent towards evil. Also... God leads us to crucify our flesh because sinful activity in the life of his children displeases God. You know, the Bible makes it clear that God never stops loving his children when they sin and when they fail. Can I get an amen to that this morning? And the Bible also shows us that God gives grace to his children when they sin and when they fail. Can I get another amen to that this morning? But that being the case the Bible also shows us that it's still not okay with him when his kids sin and when they fail. The Bible shows us that he desires holiness. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12, just after Paul has basically just given 11 verses on the undeserved grace of God, he follows that up with this. He says, now therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey It's lust. Church, I want you to know this morning that God's desire for holiness from his children is not legalism. And to say that God is grieved by the sin of his children does not discount the gospel or his love for us. A good parent can fully love his children and be willing to give full grace to his children and still hate their sin. And the same is true with God. Also, God leads us to crucify our flesh because he has something better for us. You know, the scripture makes it clear that the author of sin is the devil. And Jesus said in John 10:10 10, 10, that the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy, but he said, "But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full." Friends, God is leading us to die to our flesh, to die to sin and self. And Yes, it is hard, and yes, it can be difficult, but ultimately it's God's way of leading us towards what is best for our lives. God leading you to crucify your flesh, to deny yourself, ultimately it's him saying, I have something better for you. And then finally, God leads us to crucify our flesh because he is preparing us to better accomplish his will. Did you know that the things that you do in this life will either validate or disvalidate the gospel? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, Paul talks about the reason why he is disciplining himself, the reason why he's denying his flesh is for his platform for the gospel. He says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Friends, I want you to know something this morning. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus today, God wants to use you. It's one of the greatest graces we have in him. Not only does he save us, but he puts us into use for his glory and his name. He wants you to be an ambassador, a soldier for the kingdom of God. You will find more purpose in your life serving Jesus, honoring God in the ways that he puts specifically for you than anything else in this world. But that being the case... And even though you'll never be sinless, let me say this. Just because you sin and mess up does not mean you can't be used for Jesus. But the level at which you are crucified will affect the level at which you are utilized for the glory of God. Your platform before the world for Jesus will either be hurt or helped by how much you have crucified your sinful desires. Church, people will judge the truth of what we say by the words and the actions of how we live. God leading us to crucify our flesh, he's leading us to be more of a platform for Jesus. And so that's some of the reasons why God leads us to crucify our flesh. Let me answer your question number two. What does it look like for God to lead us? To crucify our flesh. If you're here this morning, you're like, Pastor Zach, I believe all of that. How do I begin to do it? Because all of us battle with our flesh. Let me give you six quick steps in crucifying your flesh. The first step to crucifying your flesh is revelation. This is when the Holy Spirit of God speaks and reveals in your heart that you've stepped off the path. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world which means to shine a light on, to prove, to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Every true follower of Jesus, when you step outside of the will of God, immediately the Holy Spirit of God lets you know in your heart. I would say crucifying your flesh starts there. And I would beg you this morning, church, do not silence the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart. So once God reveals your sin, then secondly, God leads us to repentance. So let's say God tells you, hey, Zach, you just stepped off the path. What do you say? Immediately you just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Agree with God over your sin. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to kind of make it, downplay it. Just say to God, say, God, I agree with what you said. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Friends, know this. God is open to your seeking of forgiveness. God will forgive you when you seek it. Can I get an amen to that today? And then third step is removal. And this is really important. This means to take physical action. It means to work to get sin out of your life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. You know, when Jesus talked about removing sin out of our lives, he was pretty serious about it. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, pluck, uh, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, let me say this this morning. Jesus was not talking about genuinely doing that, about self-mutilation. If you come up to me next Sunday with an eye patch and a big grin on your face and say, praise the Lord, pastor, I'm honoring Jesus, we're going to talk a little bit, okay? That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is you need to take it serious. If you have a struggle with, with drinking, you need to go home and pour it out. If you have a struggle with alcohol or you have a struggle with pornography, you need to get a different phone or something, no internet access. If you're cohabitating, it means get married or get separated. It means get away from the things in your life that are dishonoring God. And then the fourth step is repudiation. And this is when you're praying, saying, God, help me to have your heart towards my sin. This is a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and never desire sin anymore. Sometimes God does that. But for most of us, it is the process of sanctification. And so you're, you're asking God, say, God, help me to have your heart towards sin. Fifth, relationship. A great way to crucify your flesh is through relationships with other Christians. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be Healed. I want you to know something this morning, church. If you're genuinely trying to honor God in your flesh and you've got a struggle, an ongoing struggle with sin, and you are keeping that in the dark, then the devil loves where you are. Because as long as it is in the dark, he can continue to pray on you. But the Bible makes it clear that he never intended for us to do life alone. That's why he invented the church. That's why we need the body of Jesus. That's why you need to come to starting point and make Union Baptist Church your church home, or or, then get in a life group, man, connect with other Christian friends. Because when we truly come together, the Bible talks about where two or more agree upon something in my name, I am in the midst. There's power when we bring the church together. We've got a man in our church right now that just this last week, I believe it was day 90 or day 120, I can't remember, of him being sober for years of struggling with alcoholism. And he never told a soul, not even in his family, but when he finally came to his wife, when he finally came to some Christian brothers around him, God started to move and work, and now God has set him free. There's freedom on the other side of bringing the church and Yes, give the Lord a big hand, man. It's worth praising the Lord for. And then finally, the sixth step is repeat. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Okay, here's the deal. We're all going to be there. The Bible makes it real clear that we will continually struggle with the sin of our flesh until one day we get a new body, a new glorified body, and this old body is put away. What I would say to you is that when you fail, know that you have the grace of God and then run to him afresh and anew, and he'll give you strength for the days ahead. So this is the first step of how to honor God in our body, is to crucify our bodies. Secondly, this morning, getting healthy in our bodies means we must conform our bodies to do the things that honor God. You know, and often a misconception in the Christian walk with God is that walking with Jesus just means you constantly focusing on the things that you shouldn't do anymore. And that's only a half-truth. Yes, God wants to call you away from the actions of the enemy that that ultimately still kill, and destroy. But then he wants to call you to things that honor him in your body, that you can have life and have it to the full. In Romans 6, 12, and 13 that I mentioned earlier, where he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, he then goes on to say, "And, and don't present your bodies anymore as instruments of unrighteousness. Basically, no longer... Put your hands to the things that call unrighteousness. But listen where he wraps up there. He says, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See, walking with Jesus is not just giving up things, but it's also taking up things. When you're wanting to conform your life to follow Jesus, when I want my flesh to be disciplined, to honor God, it's not just the things that God is calling me away from, but it's also taking up the things that God is calling me to. Let me give you one quick thought to help you this morning conform your bodies to honor Him. This is the big thought. In every way that God might lead you to die, ask Him how He is also showing you how to live. Think of in every way that God is calling you to die, ask him how also he is calling you to live. With every crucifixion, Jesus also wants to bring about a resurrection in your life. In everything that you die to, he also wants to bring about life in you. The heart of God is that he wants to call you up towards things. Yes, legalism in a walk with God is where you honestly, all you ever focus on is what you shouldn't do. And that's not a walk with God. A walk with God is, yes, God, I'm dying to my flesh, but I'm also learning to live with you. Some examples of this could be, let's say God is calling you to stop being selfish in your home. Well, at the same time, the Holy Spirit is likely then going to call you to raise you up to then begin to be the greatest servant in your home. Maybe God is calling you to die to, to crucify your words and how you speak hatefully to people. At the same time, God is wanting to raise you up so that you can be the greatest encourager to people around you. In Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 18, Paul also mentions about how he's calling people away from sin and calling them to actions in godliness. He says, And do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation or self-satisfaction. But be filled with the Spirit. Friends, one of the greatest ways that you can really begin to walk in greater victory with God is to not only focus on what God is calling you from, but also focus on what God is calling you to because once you begin to experience the joy of what God is calling you towards, once you begin to experience the joy of abundant life in Him, of walking in purpose with Him, then that'll be one of the greatest means by which you're able, God's able to work in you to change your desires for certain sinful flesh and actions. And so church this morning, God is leading us to crucify our flesh, but He's also leading us to walk in life and resurrection, and there is abundant life in Jesus today. Faithful is he who called you, and he will bring it to pass. And then finally this morning, getting healthy in our bodies means we must care for our bodies as vessels for God. You know, one final thought we need to cover concerning God leading us to honor him in our physical bodies is how we honor him in our physical health. You know, a sad misinterpretation by many Christians is that just because I know that my physical body may be bent towards sin, and just because one day I know that I'm going to get a new and better body in heaven, means that, I can, that God cares very little about what happens to my physical body on this earth, and that's just not true. What we need to understand is that though my body may be bent towards sin, it is still created in the image of God, and it is a gift from God. We sometimes separate spiritual health and physical health. And the reality is, is that according to Scripture, the way that I steward my physical body is a spiritual issue. And we need to say that again. The way that I steward my physical body is a spiritual issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now, let me give you a few thoughts. I'm gonna give you a few ways that we can honor God in our physical bodies, but let me give you a few thoughts just as important precursors to this. First, the motivation behind caring for our bodies as Christians should not be for external purposes primarily. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to look and feel better in your clothes, but selfish motives are not God-honoring. Caring for our physical bodies should first be for the glory of Jesus. Our external appearance can become an idol if we're not careful. Secondly, the motivation behind caring for our bodies as Christians should not be to extend our lives. You know, in Psalms 139, verse 16, it reminds us that our days are numbered. It says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that you have ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Basically, it says, for those of us who truly believe the Bible, there is a set time in which God will call us home. And so the idea of stewarding our body well is not to make it so that we will live longer. However... We do know that the decisions and actions we make in our lives can affect our bodies, so we should desire to be as physically healthy as possible as long as we can, that we might best glorify God. Now, that being said, We all know that there are some things that can greatly affect our health, like cancer and other things, that there's no physical. You didn't do anything to cause it. We just live in a fallen world, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But what we want to do is to attempt to avoid the struggles that we do have control over. And so let me give you a few ways that God can lead his people to care for our physical bodies. The first is this. I believe that God can lead his people to care for their bodies in their food and diets. Now, let me say something this morning, church. This is one that I struggle with. I'm preaching to myself a little bit here. As Brother John used to say, eating is one of my spiritual gifts. I can put away some groceries, okay? Honoring God in our bodies, as hard as it might be, is something we as Christians are called to. The Bible makes it clear that gluttony and overeating is sin in the eyes of God, and it goes against the fruit of the Spirit, which is self control. In Deuteronomy 21, 20, Moses said that one of the signs of a wicked children was gluttony. He says, they shall say to the elders of this city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. In Proverbs 23, 20, and 22, Solomon warns people of the sin of gluttony saying, do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. So let me give you a few thoughts to help us concerning caring for our physical bodies, stewarding it well in the eyes of God. First, I think it's good for us to see food as fuel first. Now the Bible does make it clear that food is a gift from God, and that it can and should be enjoyed. But its primary purpose is to fuel our bodies for His work. You know, we pray this, do we not? We pray this regularly. Lord, I thank you for this meal. I pray you bless it to the nourishment of our body to do your will. Now, if we're totally honest, we're not being very faithful sometimes when we pray that. Lord, I pray that you would bless this unbelievably unhealthy meal that I'm at these 17 pieces of pizza that I'm about to put in my. Body. I pray that you would change the molecular structure of it so that it becomes something else in my body to fuel it for. Listen, we can't honestly say that everything we put in our body is good fuel for us. Okay, that's. Listen, we need to see food as fuel first and enjoyable second. Also, we need to see that feasting as moments for celebrating. The Bible does clearly give several moments where the people of God feasted. And a feast is just that. A feast is is you throwing down, man. Calories don't count. Take it all out the window. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 8.15, he says, For there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and drink and be merry. There are good moments that are right and good in the eyes of God to do that. Man, anniversaries, birthdays, special occasions, vacations. There are no such thing as calories on vacations, amen. I give you peace in Jesus' name. There you go. <laughs> All of these are moments to feast and enjoy what God has given us. But we also need to be careful. Every meal shouldn't be a feast. And we got to be careful in how we assign feasts. If you find yourself celebrating National Potato Week, we probably have an issue, Okay? I have a pastor friend of mine who genuinely has honored the Lord in his body for a long time. And this is what they do. And I thought it was a great principle. Is that they are very strict uh, and honor the Lord six days a week. And one day a week they have a cheat day and they just throw down. It's a good day. They celebrate with their kids. They celebrate with their family. They go out to dinner. They do what they can. But then the rest of the week they try to honor the Lord in that. And I think that's a good rhythm. So first in our food and our diet. Uh, Secondly, uh, I believe that God can lead his people to care for their bodies and their fitness. Now, when it comes to fitness, everyone immediately thinks about joining a gym. That may be a part of what God would have you to do, but fitness is so much more than that. So, I believe that being fit in the eyes of God first involves movement. You know, friends, God designed us with feet to walk and move. In our culture today, where many of our jobs are stationary and involve little movement, we have to be very intentional about moving. You know, we live in a very different culture than God's first people whom he created who were working in fields and farms. And science shows us again and again that we were created to move. I know for me personally, movement and exercise is part of my regular routine now. And it helps me not only physically, but also emotionally. And we'll talk about that next week. This can look different for everyone. And it definitely changes with age. You know, at some point, movement will likely be impossible for us if you live long enough. And that is okay. But I would say that as long as you can move, you should move. In Proverbs 6, 9, God clearly condemns lack of movement for those who are able, able, saying, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Also, I believe that being fit involves rest. In Psalms 127, the psalmist reminds us to sleep saying it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Friends, if you're not resting well, then you're most likely not going to steward the other things well that God has given you. And I also say this, if you go to bed on time, it makes it a whole lot easier to get up early and meet with God. Another good way to remain fit is I believe that being fit in the eyes of God involves going to the doctor. You know, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and I believe that includes medicine. The Bible says that there's wisdom in many counselors. Regular checkups and then taking your medicine is honoring to God. This often shows humility. Medical care is not an option for many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the world. But if you can go, then you should go and be a good steward of what God has given you. I had an argument with a godly doctor friend of mine several years ago who's wanting to put me on a regular medication. I had never taken a daily medication before. and I didn't want to cross that line. I felt like I was you know, really going to be, be caving in some way to do that. And so he and I argued back and forth a little bit. Finally, he leaned forward and he said, Zach, you know the same God you pray to to use you is the same God I pray to to use me. And then I said, okay, doc, how often do I take that again now? Are you going to call it, you know? (laughs) And then finally, I believe that God can lead his people to care for their bodies by avoiding vice. We talk about vice, talking about those things that are harmful to our body. As you saw earlier, combined twice with the glutton, he mentioned drunkenness as well. We all know that there are things that we can do in our bodies that at best are bad habits that are unhealthy and at worst are destructive and addictive. And if you struggle with one of those, I encourage you today to listen to the Holy Spirit and get help. There is freedom in Jesus. In fact, we have a class that meets here at Enon uh, once a week, a freedom class that helps people walk through a 12-step program, and God is using it. Friends, what I have found is that discipline is contagious. If I am disciplined in one area of my life, it feeds over normally in every other area of my life. If I'm disciplined in meeting with God, if I'm disciplined, then it usually helps me in being disciplined with my health. If I'm disciplined in my health, it usually helps me in being disciplined in meeting with God. I'm going to ask Brother Ron to make his way now. And when you begin to think about these actions in our bodies, crucifying our lives crucifying our bodies, conforming our bodies, and then caring for our bodies. The first thing that comes to mind, this is hard. This is hard. Every every aspect of this is hard. But in any time that you are having to approach something that is hard, the first thing that you've got to ask yourself is why. Why? Why would I do this? Why would I take this discipline? Why would I take this step? And the reality is, is that God has given us this call God has given us this option to care for what he has given us God has called us to crucify our lives as he ultimately gave everything for us this should be the greatest motivation to honor the Lord today and listen what's so encouraging is that it ends with that promise faithful is he who called you and he will bring it to pass some of you have struggled with discipline in your body for a long time and you're very defeated in that can I say something to you today? You know, God cares about that too. And it's okay to say, God, help me. God, help me in my physical body. Help me in my struggles with food. You know, food can be an idol too. Say, God, help me in that. God, help change my mind. God, help change these. I want to best steward my body for your name, for your glory. Some of you have a hard time crucifying some things in your life. There's some areas that are alive in you that you wish were not. You know what? You can come to God to say, God, help me. Help me in this. Can I say something to you this morning? He is available. He wants to help you today. And so I encourage you in these next few moments, we're going to, Brother Mike is going to lead us in a song. And, you know, if you just need to take some time to meet with God, then you do that. Our pastors will be up front. would love to pray for you if you need somebody to pray for you. But let me say this. When you're facing things that are hard, it's so, so difficult to do it alone. Not only do you need Christian friends, folks, you need Jesus. And some of you in this room right now, you know that you're alone. You know that you're far from God. You know that you don't truly know Jesus. And I want you to know today, He wants to know you. He loved you enough to die on the cross for you. And He wants to be the center of your life. If you'll call out to Him and say, Jesus, save me. I give my life to you. I want to know you. Call out to him right there where you are today. and He'll enter your heart and life. He'll save you, forgive you of your sin, and he'll begin to lead and guide and direct your life. You can do that right there where you are this morning. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. I mean, I had a family come forward, a husband and wife in the first service. They said, man, Pastor Zach, we we need to rededicate our lives to Jesus. Maybe that's you today. You've been doing religious things, but you're not truly following Jesus, and you need to say, Pastor Zach, I'm all in this morning. God is waiting on you to come. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Our pastors are going to be up front. If you need to call out to Jesus to save you, you can do that right now. If you need to join this church, if God is needing, if you need somebody to pray for you, you feel free to come as we sing.